Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Today's podcast is dedicated to Rosemont's ministry to children in our community and the world. Due to audio difficulties, we join Judge Michael Key's presentation in progress. Judge Key is a juvenile court judge for Troop County and is an ardent supporter of the Safe Families Program at Rosemont Baptist Church. So we need your help. Uh, I, I grew up on Dunson Village, Cary Street. And back in the day, before we became such a mobile society, we took care of our own. When we had families in crisis, neighbors stepped in, family members stepped in, and the church stepped in to, keep, to support those families and to keep those families together. As we have become a more mobile society, we don't live in those same kinds of communities anymore. And as our issues around substance abuse and mental health issues and those sorts of things has inflicted our parents even at a greater rate, we've gotten away from that. And back in that day, the church took care not only of the church, but the unchurched. It just didn't matter. People in help, people in need of help were helped by the churches and by the communities. My mother was raised by parents not her own biologically but they were her parents and they were my grandparents and my granddaddy and my grandmother um, took in too many families too many children to even count short times long times maybe a day maybe a few hours maybe for the rest of their young lives my mother continued that legacy my wife and I have continued that legacy your church continues that legacy And we thank you for that. You are already making a huge difference in our work around out-of-county placements. Let me talk just a minute about that. Not just in Troop County, but throughout almost all of 159 counties in Georgia, more than half of our children who are taken from their families and placed in foster care are placed out-of-county. Not only away from their families, but away from their church, away from their recreational leagues, away from their friends, away from their schools. Some counties as high as 85, 88%. That's simply not right. And you can imagine what it does to these children's lives. So we need your help. Uh, you're already making a huge difference through your prayers, which we know you're doing through safe families and through your support of Promise 686. We need your help in so many other ways. We have to do it one step at a time. And one family at a time, which brings to, to mind the, the parable, the starfish parable, which many of you know. Uh, one day, an old man, kind of like me, I guess, was walking along the beach that was littered with starfish that had been washed ashore by the high tide. As he walked, he came upon a young boy who was eagerly throwing the starfish back into the ocean one by one. Puzzled, the man looked at the boy and asked what he was doing. Without looking up from his task, the boy simply replied, I'm saving these starfish, sir. The old man chuckled out loud and said, Son, there are thousands of starfish, and there's only one of you. What difference can you make? The boy picked up a starfish, gently tossed it into the water, and turned to the man saying, I made a difference to that one. We have starfish. I want to talk about a starfish. I'll call her Kamisha. If Kamisha were here today, she would tell you, I turned 17 in April. My mother's rights to my brother's were terminated last year. We were all placed in different homes in different counties, none of which were Troop County. There was no place for us to stay. DFAX is trying to get the children permanent homes in Troop County and bring them back to Troop County to be adopted. All I want is one year of a family that would allow me to live with them for one year to be close to my brothers and to finish school in Troop County. One year. That's all I want. When I told this story a few weeks ago at another church, I felt something. And even as I was speaking, men can double task, by the way. It's not very easy, but men can double task. And even as I was speaking, I wondered to myself, so what if somebody steps forward? Can we even do this? Can we make this happen? Can we make it happen? Less than a week later, I'm contacted by a leader in their mission work around this work. And there was a family that felt the same thing that morning in the service. 
They say they almost spoke up out loud and said, we'll take her. And, uh, and they wanted to pursue it. So, um, I, I, I went by Brenda's office, who is our community resource coordinator. And I told Brenda, I said, if you, if, if you don't have the Lord's email address, you need to get it. We need to put him on the mailing list because I think he just joined the team. Um, of course, the truth is God was always on the team. He was always on the team. We didn't really realize just how much, and this work didn't really take off until we brought our faith-based groups into this work formally. They were doing it already. You were doing it already. But it's when we brought the groups together in a meeting and talked about it and worked together to God's glory that the work really took off. Now, Kamisha's not in that home yet, but it's, under, it's underway. God is at work. And we know that if they don't work that out, if Kamisha does not get that home, God has something else in store for Kamisha, and God has something else in store for that family around this work. <clears throat> this, um, this past week, I had a young lady that I met in Chambers, 16 years old, another starfish. She's placed in a group home out of county with other girls. She experiences significant anxiety. So she has to deal every day not only with her own life experiences, but the pressure and anxiety brought on by all the other girls in the home. She needs a home. She's a child that could thrive in a family environment. A family environment. She does not need to be in a group home. There's a quote by uh, Dr. Bruce Perry in his book, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog, which I commend to you, by the way. And what Bruce Perry says, ultimately, what determines how children survive trauma, physically, emotionally, or psychologically, is whether people around them, particularly the adults, they should be able to trust and rely upon, stand by them with love, support, and encouragement. And that's what your families, your host families, bring to these children. They bring to them love, support, and encouragement in their time of need. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, another way I know that God's at this work is I stopped by my office this morning on the way in, and uh, I, I, I read this presentation again, and, I, and Dr. Perry's quote about relationships. And I, I have a lot of pens. Wherever I go to conference, I grab pens and bring them back. So I grabbed this one and can't hardly see in the daylight, I mean, this light up here, but it says, this pen says, changing the world... One relationship at a time. It was given to me this morning. Not a coincidence, but for further inspiration about this story. So not all of you can do what your host families are doing. Not all of you can take a child into your home. But you can support those host families. You can support the defects foster care families and the many other private foster care families we have in town. You can support the work in different ways. These families have so many needs. You can do so much to keep these families together in the first instance, which is the best thing to do. You're already doing that. You're already doing that. So you're going to have an opportunity uh, on June the 20th uh, to find out more about how you can help. We're having a program um, called Fostering Hope on Tuesday evening at the New Life Building at, family, at First Baptist Church on the Square. And what a perfect facility to have that the new life building as we try to help these families have a new life together. Again, not just a coincidence. We're going to have a special speaker that night, and on the Thursday night I'll talk about her. name is Sue Badeau. And Sue Badeau and her husband Hector, a man and woman of faith, raised 22 children. Wow. I had two. About enough. 22 children. Two of their own. Sue and Hector adopted 20 children, 20 children, fostered many more. Of those 20 children they fostered, three of them were terminally ill, but they want to give those children a permanent home before they died. That's God at work. You couldn't do it otherwise. So that night we're going to talk about, we're going to honor the defects foster homes, we're going to honor our private foster homes, we're going to honor your faith-based homes that are taking these children in. We're going to obviously use that as an opportunity to recruit more of those. We're going to honor relatives who take children in, not just with, by defect placement, but before they need to be placed in state custody. Relatives, neighbors, 
others who step forward and take care of our children in their time of need. We want to make a statement about the importance of this issue. I don't know. I think it's 400 and something, Brenda, that the uh, New Life building seats, and we would love to fill it up. So we ask all of you uh, to pray about that if you feel led to come, come and support that work, just to make a statement about the importance and listen to what Subido has to say about the importance of it and what it's like. There are challenges, and Sue will talk about those challenges. We're also going to have two other programs. The children that we deal with, the families we deal with, have experienced significant trauma, but it's not just those. There's trauma, trauma experienced in your intact families. And we know a lot of, more about trauma than we've ever known about it through the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study and other work. One of the most exciting things I think happening in our community now is that our school system is going to implement trauma-informed care in at least one school this year. This is huge in serving our children and their mental health needs, their behavioral needs. It's going to make a big difference. And we need your support and you need your prayers behind that work. And on, t- on Thursday at the Troop County uh, High School Fine Arts Auditorium, they're going to have a program where um, we'll have some very special speakers there, but also we're going to, we're going to screen the, the video or the film Paper Tigers, which is a story of Walla Walla High School uh, in Washington that implemented tra- trauma-informed care and the difference it made. And we need resources to support our school system in doing this very, very important work. But we'd love to see you at that as well. Then on Thursday night, uh, Sue will also be our presenter on a, uh, let me back up. The program on um, Thursday morning is called, uh, get it here, Stressed Brains Can't Learn, A Shift in Perspective, Trauma-Informed Care. By the way, this is all the work uh, of our group uh, trying to implement trauma trying to make Troop County a trauma-responsive community. Our vision is for a community whose members work together to minimize trauma and the effects of trauma experienced by its children, adults, and families. So we'll have that program at the auditorium on Thursday morning, and we'll have it that night. If you watch that video, and we're going to stay for a debriefing afterwards, for those of you who work with children, whether you're a baseball coach, a soccer coach, a Sunday school teacher, whatever it is, it'll change the way you do business. It'll change the way you see and work with these children that are so challenged. So you'll, you'll, you'll come away more aware, more appropriately responsive to children's behaviors just by coming that morning and watching that. So, um, and then at night we'll have the program on trauma. And all these are related um, but separate programs. So I encourage you to come to all of those that you pray about and feel led to attend. Now, I want to talk about, um, very quickly, the over, overarching theme for, for these programs is called Believe. And we have a theme. We're using it for our, for our family treatment court, for our drug court, for all the work that we're doing now. And we even have little bracelets, or wristbands, they're called, for it. Okay? And um, they say, be positive, be strong, hashtag believe. I don't know about this hashtag stuff or what it means, but I know what believing means. And... There are kind of two kinds of believing. That you believe something because that's your opinion. Everybody's got one of those. But there's also that kind of belief that's rooted in your faith. It's the kind of believing that you feel so strongly about, you believe to be so true that you can make it happen, in part just by believing that strongly. As hard of a battle as we're fighting, we've been fighting it for a while now, this out-of-county placement, the number of children we have... Uh, I'm sorry, let me back up just a minute, because this is another way I know that God's in his work, is the be, be positive, be strong, and hashtag believe. So I'm driving in today to the church, and there's a preacher on a 93.3. He's talking about leadership. He says, if you want to be a strong leader, learn from the best leader ever born. That's Jesus Christ. And he talked about things around that. One of them is good leaders are positive leaders. Be positive. That you, be positive and believe that you can accomplish anything you want to accomplish. So that's, that's on the wristband. So that message was given to me on the way here. So I needed that Friday night. I wish I'd had it then because uh, I got the numbers. And the number of children placed out of county in Troop County since December 30th, five months, has gone from 119 to 142. If a child is removed from Troop County today, unless we can find a family member, or we can find, say, family, or some family to take that child, that child will be placed out of county, likely many counties away, because we have no homes as we sit here today, in defects. Arsenal, if you will. The children in group placements has gone from 10 to 13. 
And children inappropriately placed out of county is going from 31 to 39. A lot of our children are appropriately placed out of county. They were the best relative they could be with. They were their foster adopt family. But the case is not going well, these children are likely to be adopted. They're where they're supposed to be. But 39 of our children are inappropriately placed out of county. And that number's, go- number's gone up in spite of our best efforts. So I, when I got that number Friday evening, uh, I needed the wristband, but I didn't look to it. And I didn't pray about it. And I had a bad night and a restless night. And I woke up Saturday morning in a bad mood about it. And I knew I had this coming out here today. I said, what am I going to do about this? I've got to have a positive message. And I looked at the wristband. And in spite of these most recent results, we have to stay positive about it. We have to be strong about the work that we do. And we've got to believe that we can achieve our mission around this, which is our mission around this is to have all 39 of our children home by Christmas. That's our mission. That's the challenge. Now, having gone five months, the number increased from 31 to 39. What makes me believe? I just believe it. I believe it because of churches like this. I believe because of the event we have coming together. I believe it's going to happen. I also believe that we're going to accomplish our goal of having a trauma-informed community. So you guys need to believe with us, and thank you for what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We wanted to give you the opportunity, uh, if you are maybe the person that's here and, and maybe something he said sparked your interest or maybe the Lord's speaking to you to have some outlets of things you can do. So the brochures for what he spoke about, the upcoming event uh, in a couple of weeks are down front. Grab one on your way out. I'm going to ask Nicole Kennedy if you'll come on up. Nicole is um, involved with Safe Families here in Troop County, of course, and our church as many of you are. I've asked her to give just kind of a brief overview. So she's going to talk about Safe Families. This is one of the ways uh, you can be plugged in and helping with what Judge Key just talked about. Thank you. Good morning. It is bright up here, Judge Key. I wish I had sunglasses instead of reading glasses. If you're involved with Safe Families here at Rosemont, please stand for just a minute so everyone can see how many of us are in here. I know there are a lot teaching Bible school. Please stand. Awesome. Thank you. Involvement in Safe Families for Children can range from anything your Sunday school class pulling together, like the one Miss Lisa just told me about this morning. I think the Joyful Noise class pulled together to buy some car seats for us. Thank you. Taking cards off the table down by the sanctuary or the fellowship hall for diapers, for socks, for towels, anything like that. You could be involved on a level just as a resource friend, like those people are, all the way up to the level of being a host home, as Judge Key was just talking about, where you could have children in your home quicker than you could change the sheets on the bed before the next family's coming in. That's an exaggeration. But we do have a need, and it has been awesome to see Jesus in the hearts of people at Rosemont Baptist. And just quick disclaimer, I probably will cry, and it's okay. You'll still be able to understand me. Don't let it make you feel uncomfortable. This church is phenomenal. We started less than a year ago with three families that heard about this ministry in the community that said, we want to take this to our church. We are now up to 22 families in less than a year who are involved, who have a heart for children and a heart for Jesus, and that is overwhelming. Um, My husband, Ken, and I have been involved for a little less than a year. We were in our first month of marriage when we had our first placement. I was so excited about that phone call from Candy. I didn't even call Ken and ask if it was okay. I said, yes, we'll take it. (laughs) I learned I needed to check with him first before I commit. But it has been such a blessing to us. And I'm not going to talk about our personal testimonies with, the, with Safe Families. I'm going to let the Munkuses share a minute about their testimony. I just wanted to kind of give you a, a broad overview. But before, before I share a lot, I want you to think about a time in your family when you were in crisis. If you were like me, I could have thought of 20 in that 10 seconds. One time that I vividly remember was 20 years ago. I sat in a small office in Carrollton, Georgia, with my four-month-old little girl in her infant seat. And I sat across from a lady, and I was filling out an application for government assistance. I was at the welfare office because we couldn't make ends meet on a monthly basis. And I had a college degree. I was a teacher, and we couldn't pay our bills and medical bills each month. 
My pride was too big to call my parents or my in-laws. We were going to do this on our own. And that lady across the desk from me, y'all had to pass me a box of Kleenexes because she told me that you make just above the cutoff line to qualify for assistance. And I fell apart. I had to call my parents and call my in-laws. And of course, they stood right behind us. I'm so blessed with a support system. Five years later, I found myself with two children, young mom, that precious five-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy. Husband had left, filed for divorce. We were having to sell our home. I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to afford a home for my children to play in the driveway and blow bubbles and draw with sidewalk chalk. Again, my parents came to my rescue. I've been so blessed, and I know like the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, those of us who are blessed, much will be required of. And I'm determined that I'm going to bless other people, single moms, single dads who struggle often, and help them as much as as I can. That's why Safe Families was created. It was created by the church. For the church to help different families in crisis, just like I had been, just like you have all been, I'm sure. Mr. Mike Angstadt, who was the director of Twin Cedars Youth and Family Services, brought Safe Families to LaGrange. He had heard the founder, Dr. Dave Anderson, from Chicago speak about it at a conference, and he knew this was a ministry that Troop County would embrace. He found a godly, passionate woman, Candy Gibson, sitting right in front of me and put her in charge of it, and Candy ran with it. Candy's job is to reach out to different churches in the community and get them on board, train them, equip them, and then turn the program loose to them. Three of us quickly signed up with Candy, and we shared it with our pastors, and we were excited, and many of you have heard about it for months and months, and the the work that we're able to do in our community. It reminds me of what Pastor Adam has said so many times when he gets back from a foreign mission trip where he says, why is it that God blessed me living in America when I could have been blessed somewhere else? And I I, I think the same thing. Why did God place me where he did with my family, with my support system, in this church, with my circle of friends who would do anything for me? So many people don't have the support systems that we do. They, when they have a crisis, they have no one to turn to. And that's where the drug abuse comes in, the neglect. So if Safe Families for Children provides a place for those families to turn to. We get referrals from school counselors. We get referrals from the police department, from the hospital. Referrals for lots of different ways. And we're, we're able to help a lot just in the last almost year here at in, in Troop County, we have served 22 families, which totals 44 children. 75% of those families, y'all, have been helped right here at Rosemont in many different ways, 75%. So this is a church like Judge Key Share that has a reputation for missions and for ministry, and I'm so proud to be a part of this church. We've worked alongside DFACs to strengthen their efforts. As Judge Key shared, we don't have enough foster homes in town. So oftentimes, DFACs will call us to say, hey, safe families, can you help until we can find a home out of county? And interestingly enough, Dr. Dave Anderson saw this happen in Chicago. The same thing is happening here in Troop County. Safe families' families are growing the number of foster care families in town. Nate and Allie Crawford were our first safe families' family that signed up to foster care. They went through the impact training, and they they have two foster children now in their home. We have Brad and Charlotte Myers, Jeremy and Jessica Lofton, Matt and Erica, who you'll hear from in a minute, who are three more safe families' families who have also taken their involvement to the next level with foster care training. So the nine foster care families through DFACS looked at me and said, you have four families in less than a year that have signed up to foster? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Jeremy reminded me this morning, it was Pentecost Sunday this morning, so that I'm going to call a spade a spade, Jeremy. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And that's safe families whole mission is to train and equip us, the body of Christ, in biblical hospitality, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think at Rosemont Baptist, it's a beautiful thing. 
Thank you all, whether you've helped with resources, whether you've opened your home, whether you're, as Judge Key shared, feeling something in your spirit right now and you want to get involved, please reach out to anybody that you saw stand up this morning. You can let them know. I'm interested. I want to learn more. We have a couple of clipboards on the front pew. If you want to sign, I'll get in touch with you if you want to ask some questions or get involved on a different level. We'll also do another ministry interest push in probably September is what our leadership team is planning, but you can always get started before the end. So if you're feeling it in your heart that this is a ministry you want to be involved with, clipboards down here, check with anybody that stood up this morning, call the church office and they will definitely get your name and phone number to me. We would love to have you on board. It's a fabulous, fabulous way to bless people in Troop County through our church. And we appreciate everything that you have already done so far to help us get it going. At this time, I would like for Matt and Erica, is that the right order? Pastor Adam, are you good with that? To come up and share a little bit more. They, they've been involved with Safe Families for just a few months, not very long. They hit the ground running and, and have just graduated from foster care impact training as well. So I'd like you to hear more of their testimony. Hello, I'm Matt Munkus, and this is my wife, Erica, and uh, we have a lot to say, a whole lot to say, but a really short time, so we have written down some things and typed some things. If, if, if we're reading some, we want to make sure to get it all in, uh, but first, I just want to say to you that if God is calling you, he's not going to stop, and that's the overall theme I hope that you'll see in, in our testimony of how we became involved in Safe Families. Uh, first, Eric and I saw a lot of people being called mission trips here at Rosemont and you know, in other countries and we just did not feel called and we felt badly that we didn't feel called and we thought we were missing out on something and we were part of a church organization that was on the move and on fire for bringing the word overseas and we just felt lost that, and we didn't feel a part of it because we didn't feel called. But not long after feeling that way, Erica signed up to help with Vacation Bible School and I kind of just tagged along as a floater not really having to do anything. And, uh, <laughs> and I was asked to work with a child that was having some trouble for the remainder of that week. And so God was calling. And then I was asked to work with a child on Sunday mornings. And again, God was calling. Then we were asked to do Wednesday night Awana. And again, God was calling. Then we did vacation Bible school together. And, and again, God was calling. Then we decided that we wanted to keep one of the baby rooms during Sunday morning service, and again, God was calling. So last July, when we heard about Safe Families, we decided that we would go to the orientation meeting to see what it was all about, because it seemed like everything that we were being asked to do, well, I had to do and was revolving around helping children. So we thought we'd go and listen. So we live about 10 minutes from the church. So true to our style, we left about five minutes before the meeting was supposed to start. So on the way, Erica checked the email to make sure we had the right time, and we did have the right time, but we had the wrong location. The meeting was actually at the Presley's house all the way in town. So now we're going to be about 20 minutes late to the meeting. So I turned, I told Erica, we might as well not even go now. Pretty disappointed, but, but we kept driving anyway. And then I started to feel really bad, nauseated, uh, dizzy, and I even told Erica that I might have to pull over, we might have to go home. And uh, when I told her that, she said that she was feeling the same way. And then, and then she said, the devil sure is trying to keep us from going to this meeting. So we knew we definitely needed to go. So we made it to that meeting. And then we proceeded to drag our feet for about six months for one reason or another. Uh, the main reason was we couldn't decide on what role we wanted to commit to. So that was kind of our crutch for not really taking action when we should have a little faster. Uh, but, you know, there's a host family you can be a family friend, a family coach, or a resource friend, and you can find out about all those, and they're all very important. But our first experience with Safe Families actually happened in our baby room, the one-year-old room, on a Sunday morning. Candy had brought a child that she was keeping, and she was about one year old, and we had never seen such sadness in a child's eyes as we saw, saw then, as uh, Judge Key mentioned. You know. uh, they, they're not in control. You know, they're not at home, they're not with their parents, they're in a strange place, and they're just not in control, and there's, there's a lot of sadness, and there's a lot of hurt, and a lot of trauma. But she looked so lost, and, and 
we, we knew we had to become involved with the program. So I looked up the phone number for Safe Families, and I called, and I got Candy and talked with her, and my wife didn't even know. And by the end of the phone call, I had committed us to being a host family. <laughs> so I called Eric, and I told her about it, and she wasn't sure about it, but she was good for it, and we started the process. And it was, it was at this point that I realized that I was being called. All the times that we had been asked to do things, I didn't see that God was calling me. We were still thinking, oh, I don't know why we don't feel called to go on these trips. But God was calling, and I finally realized it. So this past February, we got our first call, and it was for respite care for the Humphreys. They were getting a five-month-old baby, and they needed some help. They were going to be out of town for a weekend. And so this situation was not the typical safe families uh, situation because it involved defects. Uh, Erica picked up baby Lila on February the 10th, and we had her for the weekend. Men don't cry. <laughs> that weekend is the weekend our family likes to call 44 hours with an angel. That 44 hours solidified our calling for our whole family. Since this was a defect situation, things worked a little differently than the typical safe families placement. Rebecca Humphreys um, had called us one day and told us that there was a court hearing the, the following day for the family and asked us if we wanted to attend with her, so we did. So we met Rebecca and unfortunately, it was a long wait, and Erica and Rebecca both had to go back to work, leaving me by myself. So I felt very uncomfortable. I was trying to actually stay out of sight from the biological parents for some reason. But then the mom just came up to me, and she said, have y'all been keeping Lila? And I said, yes, we have. And I was immediately at comfort, um, and, and I talked to her about the safe families philosophy even though it didn't quite apply in this case, but, you know, I explained that, you know, we weren't here to judge. Um, I told her what a difference Lila had made in our lives, how special she was. Uh, we were blessed to have her in our home, and that, and that we knew now that we had been called to serve. And uh, we wanted her to know that her daughter had changed our family's lives in 44 hours. So we exchanged numbers, and then I was on my way. So that's where I took over. Um, that night I sent Lila's mom a message. Um, I just wanted her to know, um, mom to mom, that her baby girl was being taken care of. Sorry. She responded back, and that was the beginning of a relationship that I honestly never expected in this. I began to have multiple weekly chats with this mom. Um, I listened to her story. I sent her supportive words, and I prayed for her constantly. And that, that is when I knew that this was my calling, too. To have felt lost for so long, I realized that I was not lost at all. From the first time we visited Rosemont, it felt like home, and the Lord had been leading me one step at a time to that moment. This was our mission field. Shortly after, due to the relationship we were building with the parents... And the possibility of the placement lasting longer, the Humphreys agreed to let us become the host family for Lila. And at that point, we decided we wanted to move forward and complete our foster certification. At the next hearing, Judge Key allowed us to keep Lila while we were in foster training versus placing her out of the county. He truly values safe families in our community, and this has allowed us to continue to work with mom towards the goal of reunification with her daughter. Our heart is still the safe family's model, so we continue to work with mom and dad. We learned in our foster impact training that this is called partnership parenting. However, when speaking to the caseworkers and trainers, partnership parenting rarely seems to happen in the foster system. Most of the foster parents we have met have never even spoken to the biological parents. And in some cases, it might be the best situation, but in our situation, I truly felt um, called to continue to, to reach out and witness to mom. Um, mom and dad came to Easter service here at Rosemont. Um, they also came to Iwana with us on a Wednesday night and brought their older child so they could have a sibling visit. Um, the road is long, and it's not the pretty scenic route. It's full of frustration, and it's easy to pass judgment on mom and dad's actions and form my own reactions to that. One day this mom said to me, you just don't understand. 
I was not born in a family like yours. And she's right. She has no one. And because of this cycle, she feels hopeless and she feels lost. And in turn, she makes terrible choices. So I do get frustrated. And each night, I pray that the Lord will change my heart and prepare me to try again the next day to reach her. If somehow this mom had had the support of a program like Safe Families before DFACS had to step in, this cycle may have been halted, and this precious baby's life would have been changed. People ask me all the time, how can you do it? How can you take care of and love this precious baby? Knowing you'll have to give her up. They say there's no way they could do it. And I felt the same way. Every time Matt brought this to me, I said, absolutely not. No way, I'm not going to do it. But here we are. And I've been led to this moment. We've been led to this moment by praying through every step. One night I cried out to the Lord and I said, why why would you call me to this? I cannot do it. To love her, knowing that you will lose her. In that moment, I heard loud and clear, it's because you do love that I brought you here. That is what these children need. Love, support, and safety of a family. In that moment, I knew it was not about me. It was not about what I am going to lose. It's about what these children need. It's what they need from our family. I recently read, we can't let the fear of loving a child who might leave deter us. We must let the fear of a child never knowing love drive us. Our call is to give, not receive And with that, I know the same way the Lord brought us here, he will help us back out again. If God is calling, he's not going to stop. And the devil's going to do all he can to get in your way. And I just wanted to speak for just a second. I know we're getting late here. But how it affected our entire family. You know, it's not just us. You see us up here. But we have three children of our own. And we're doing this together as a family. And, uh... Uh, it's completely changed our family. It's changed our marriage. It's changed how we see each other. Our eyes have been opened uh, to a lot of things that you hear about, but until you see them firsthand, you really don't understand. It's changed our children. They've learned how to be grateful for what they have, and they're learning the importance of of, of serving and using what the Lord has provided them to help others. Um, we've all learned one big thing is not to be judgmental. When you see certain circumstances... It's natural. The brain goes there. It starts to judge. It goes there. But now we have this other area of the brain, this, the mind that's opened up, where we stop and we think about that situation and, and what is it that's happened in that person's life. You know, we, we want to throw the, you know, think very badly of them and, and not give them any benefit of the doubt, but there's, there's things that are happening that you don't even know about that put somebody in that, that environment and that lifestyle. It's just hard to get out. But, um, I just want to point out one more thing. We were, we were so nervous to come and speak to you today, but we were never, you know, never even contemplated saying no. But Erica had a lot of anxiety with it. And then she hadn't read her devotional book. This is hers, just to show you how the Lord works. Uh, she hadn't read it in a few days. She grabbed it on the way out the door this morning. And then she read it in the vacation Bible school room before we came down, June the 4th. That's today, June the 4th. Um, you have me beside you and my spirit within you. So no set of circumstances is too much for you to handle. Well, that could apply to anything, right? Well, let me, let me go on. When the path before you is dotted with difficulties, that calculation is certain to riddle you with anxiety. Uh, grip my hand tightly and stay in close communication with me. Let your thoughts and spoken words be richly flavored with trust and thankfulness. And I just thought it was great how that was today's devotional as we were nervous and a lot of anxiety about speaking with you. Uh, but, but if you feel... Uh, called then there are many ways you can help with safe families and just get in touch with the church and uh you can be put in touch with the right person thank you fantastic job beautiful
So I know we're running late, but that's okay because we've got one more testimony I want you to hear. Fantastic stories from you guys already and all the things the Lord's doing. Curtis, Katie, I don't know where y'all are sitting, somewhere in, in here. Yeah, you guys come on up. We've asked him to share very briefly about adoption. So there's just a lot of things you can be involved in this one. You've already heard about the need and safe families and the idea of fostering and then the idea of adoption. We've got several families in our, in our church that have adopted. These guys have adopted, so I asked him to share their story this morning as well, okay? Good morning. Our story is a little bit different. Um, all of most of y'all know that Neely is from China, and so we did international adoption. And really, our story started when I was probably um, 16 or 17 years old. And I just, I think it was about the time that, um, you know, all the information about Chinese adoptions and orphanages was coming out and um, just really hearing the horror stories coming from that. And I was young, and I remember thinking, one day I will do that. That I just know in my heart that that is for me. The Lord is calling me to that. But as the years played on, Curtis and I got married, we dated, we got married. I told him that was kind of a, a line in the sand. He had, to, he had to be on board with that. Um, but then we had two um, biological children, and we kind of got to be about 29 or 30. You have to be 30 to adopt from China. And I remember us consciously having to sit down and say, okay, are we really going to do what we have felt like the Lord has called us to do? Are we going to step out? Are we going to you know, let fear go behind us and, and move forward with it. And so we said, yes, we're going to do it. We are, we're going to be those people. We're not going to let fear hold us back. So we um, started the process, and it took about 15 months before um, we were able to fly and get Neely, bring Neely home. And while we were there, we were able to visit her orphanage. Sometimes you can and sometimes you can't, but um, we were able to. And... <laughs> I don't even know how to say it, but there were just just children everywhere. In Neely's room, there were probably 20, 25 babies with one worker. And it was um, just very apparent, the trauma on these children's faces, the the hollow eyes, the just no emotion, just flat, just very, very sad. Just And all these children need are a family everywhere. That's the greatest need they have is a family. But as we were coming home, we started seeing little, you know, little things, just little bits of time. We, Neely started to crawl. Neely started to walk. She learned what a family was. She, our family, united and became a family. That takes a little while when you just bring someone in need. It takes a while. Um, I remember talking with a good friend, Brooke, here. Y'all, most of y'all know that has two sons, and she mentioned to me one day, about just the daily miracles of that we get to see because of adoption. And that just stuck with me. How many daily miracles we would have missed if, if we had chosen to say no. Um, the miracles of just seeing her play with toys, learn to play. The miracles of we went to school this year. We did kindergarten. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, just... And from the early days, we knew we wanted to speak joy into Neely. That, um, so we chose to name her Neely Joy. And just felt really strongly about that. And um, at the end of her kindergarten program this year, they um, gave her the Sunshine Award for always bringing sunshine to people. Oh, my, y'all. It's just amazing. It's beautiful. Um, there's so much that we could share about the daily miracles and um, adoption was so foreign to me. Uh, I grew up, I uh, had a lot of brothers and sisters and had uh, some uh, people in the community that I knew were adopted. It was very strange. It was not, it's just, I, I was not uh, close to it. And so um, I didn't really think of adoption as an appealing thought, but I sure thought that you were appealing. And so, <laughs> it's funny how that works. Um, but, um, but, but we really did talk about it uh, early into our dating, and, um, and that's when I started to think, well, what is adoption? Um, 
And, and what have I been blind to? What assumptions have I made? Uh, judgments that were wrong. And, um, and then I started to think, wow, well, you know what? <clears throat> I'm, I have chosen to follow somebody that was adopted. Uh, Jesus was adopted. And, and it just it hit me. That, how, how did I miss that? Our very Lord that we all seem to worship, live for, is, a, is an adopted son. And, and then I thought, you know, as really as the years kind of went through, it has hit me more and more how much ad- adoption is in our DNA as a believer. We are adopted. The Lord has adopted us. He has brought us in. We were lost and without hope. We were abandoned to our own selves. And he has come and and gotten us and brought us in and called us son and daughter. And so it's it's in our DNA. And so the miracles are there. Uh, His heart for these children in in LaGrange and Troop County and all over the world is real. Um, There are children everywhere who have no hope. Um, we went to that orphanage and we saw this, we were holding our baby, but we saw the three rooms that they had, this cold, white-walled, sterile environment, an institution. It was just filled with kids. And, um, one of the first ones I saw was this little baby. She was laying on her back in a crib, and it was really quiet. And uh, the whole room was filled with kids, and it was quiet. <clears throat> and I, I put my hand on her, because I've, I've already been a dad, and I know it's just kind of natural. You touch a baby. I don't know if every mama likes that, but you touch a baby. Um, and I put my hand down, and she looked at me, and... And I held it there for a few minutes, and I thought, well, there's, there's more kids. So I moved on. And as soon as I lifted my hand, she just started crying. And I thought, oh, great. Oh, man. I'm just ruined. They're going to kick us out. You know, we just disrupted the, the quiet. And, uh, and I put my hand right back, and she just went right back silent again. And it, it just hit me. Oh, my goodness. This child has never been touched. They don't hold them. They're not holding the babies. Our daughter was never held. And so we got to see the miracle of of our little girl learn to be held. And we didn't take it for granted. Um, Thank goodness our our other two children didn't have to learn that so hard. But what a miracle that was. And and as you can imagine, um, we've seen a lot from there. so the Lord may be calling you guys. I, we, 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 were, we were trying to think, what do we say? I mean, there's, we have almost five years of, of, uh, of our family time to share. <clears throat> and, uh, and you guys are all hungry right now. We're all ready to go. But, um, but I, was, I was trying to think, what do I say? What do I say? And really it hit me. You know what? It, it's more about is the Lord saying anything to anyone's hearts? Has he said something when you were a 16-year-old and you heard about these children out there? Has, has he ever opened your heart to that? And if so, um, come talk to us. We, we would love to uh, come alongside you and share, be there and support, uh, answer any questions. Um, thank you for your time. And Adam? Let's just one more time thank all these people for what they've done this morning for us. You've been challenged now with ways you can be involved, ways you can serve. We're going to close with one final kind of challenge. I'm going to ask my India team and my Hungary team to make their way to the front. We are going to commission this morning as well to conclude this service. You guys don't worry. It's okay. Nope, it's okay. I'm going to just tell the praise team just to hang back. Um, We're just going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to invite family members. If you want to come down, come on down. It's fine. 
friends, uh, supporters. You can make your way down to the front. We have a couple of different teams now that are going to be leaving. Uh, I will be leading our India team. We're going to be leaving this afternoon about 5.30. Randy Hardigree, Josh Dowden will be going on this team. And then we have a Hungary team. Katie Bell Oliver, Kate Skipworth, and Gracie Camp will be leaving in about 12 days. They're going to go to Hungary for a month to work with IMB uh, without their parents. <laughs> so... Um, we're praying about that, and we're excited about that, and we're just going to pray for these two teams. I'm going to ask everybody else if you'd kind of stand, if you would. This will be our time of closing this morning. Make your way down front. Let's just surround these teams. If there are other family members or friends you want to come down, you want to be part of this, you can make your way down front and, and just touch somebody in front of you. We're going to close in a time of prayer, praying that God would just do a great work on these two teams uh, over these next few months. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for what's going on here in our church, uh, Lord, locally. First of all, these children with the families that have given their hearts and their minds and their lives to this service. Father, continue to bless this. Continue to bless our government officials and leaders that are involved, that are making decisions. Father, I pray you do great things uh, here in Troop County. Missionally, Lord, as we seek to serve you in the lives of these children and with these families. And then, Father, I pray specifically for these two teams. What I pray for the India team as we leave today. Give us safe travels there, Father. Keep us well and healthy while we're there. Bring us back safely, Father. Help us to do great work as we meet with local believers, as we preach the gospel, Lord, as we walk the streets there and proclaim Christ. Lord, give us just a supernatural power and ability through the Spirit to do great things, to do great work. Father, be with these three girls as they go to Hungary. Lord, I know there's a little fear and a little nerves, Father. I pray for peace that passes all understanding. Lord, help them to um, just enjoy this time, Father, to see the benefit of their time there. Help them to do great things, to accomplish great things. Father, to serve you in ways that we can't even understand. I pray you just continue to grow their young hearts and their minds closer to you, deepen their roots, deepen their faith in you as they go, Father. And I pray in the name of Christ uh, for both of these teams as we commission them as ambassadors, as missionaries from Rosemont Baptist Church to go, to take the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Father, bless them, use them for your kingdom's sake. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Go get your kids and we'll see you back next Sunday morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.